We were worried we were gonna we were gonna be subject to the the technical issues demons forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. You can like use these devices all the time and they work, and then sometimes they just don't work at all the yeah. way you want them to. Well, and like I. You know, I prefer the Windows ecosystem to the Mac ecosystem, mm-hmm. but I got, I got to say <laughs> the menus in Windows are not centralized. Like <laughs> sound settings and the sound section of the control panel are two entirely differently structured sets of menus <laughs> that mostly address the same things. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre. Yeah, I feel like on Mac, you're in this like very, it's like a little, it's a walled garden. So you're like mm-hmm. walking around this garden area and sometimes you're like, I want to go over there and there's a hedge in the way. And then someone is like, you can't climb over the hedge. You're not allowed to. But you know exactly that where the hedge and like the fountains are going to be and you can find them. Mm-hmm. Windows, it's just like everything is piled on top of each other. So there might be like 10 bird baths on top of each other. And they're like, yeah, we if we move any of those bird baths, all of Windows falls <laughs> apart, so they have to just stay there. But yeah. you can get to them if you want to. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, if, if you need something out of a Mac computer, it's like, here's a sweet little treat that is mostly what you asked for. And you then you ask the same thing of a Windows computer, and it's like, yeah, you could probably do that. Go find it, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then if you're on Linux, it's like someone has... Uh, some 45-year-old nerd has carefully designed it to solve exactly his problems. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, what if I want to do this thing? What if I want a sweet treat? And he's like, <laughs> I haven't eaten candy since 1985. I don't know what you're talking about. One of my friends was posting on Facebook about like reloading Linux onto some old computers or, or like switching their Windows computer so it was onto a new Linux build. Mm-hmm. And talking about like, I'm trying out this new you know Linux OS that I haven't tried before. And it, it's given me crazy retro vibes and stuff. And I'm just like... Oh, and they finished off the post by saying like, but I'm, I'm not quite as up to it as I used to be in my old hacker man days or something <laughs> like that. And I'm just like, you know more now than I will ever learn. And I, <laughs> I, I took a year in high school and learned Linux mm-hmm. and it's all gone along with my high school Spanish. Just like, poof, goodbye. Use it or lose it, motherfucker. <laughs> the only thing I still have is what I learned in band because I kept playing music. You kept doing music, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Linux is like fun and it's like when you get if you just set up a good one on a computer where it works well you're like oh man this is great i can customize everything uh i can do you know it's like i have control over everything and then you'll run into some problem and you just have to go like pages deep on a forum where people are like how do i get my interface my like monitor to work with linux and they're like uh you don't really you install windows if you want that to work yeah you you find a fucking reddit post from 2004 that's just like i don't even know if reddit was around then 2010 and it's just <laughs> like help i can't get ugpt colon dcl and hcl 55286 dot you know ps5 to mm. talk to each other they should be completely you know a, a communicable data packet properties but for some reason <laughs> they're coming across either side garbled and intransigent and there's just a guy below that who's just like install windows and then there's a guy below that who's like i have found a workaround and the post is from like 2016 now he's like i found a workaround <laughs> but it only works half the time and yeah. it heats up the computer a lot <laughs> <laughs> the latest version of ubuntu finally made this work properly uh, yeah and then also like there's one guy who's trying to help and everyone else is just replying with like 4chan memes and it's like uh this guy doesn't even know how to like access the 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 mainframe top keck (laughs) and then like linus torvald himself will come in the replies and give an honest helpful answer and everyone will be like boo shut up we hate you (laughs) (laughs) yeah linux is weird because it's like if you try to put it on your computer it's like Half the time you're like, this is cool. It's maybe more trouble than it's worth outside of specific things. But then once you know to look for it, you'll just realize that it's everywhere. Like mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, if you just like see a screen in public somewhere, like a you know, like a menu or a like screen on a subway or a bus station or whatever, it's probably running Linux. Like you'll see things crash all the time and it just is like the like terminal of what clearly is like an old Linux distro. Because mm-hmm. it's just free. And it can do a lot of powerful stuff and no one has to like pay a license to use it or anything. Yeah, well, like Android is based on Linux and mm-hmm. that's like the fastest growing OS in the world. Like I'm mm-hmm. trying to find I'm trying to find a smartwatch, okay? Mm-hmm. But I don't want a fucking Wear OS smartwatch with this <laughs> watered down operating system. This is the operating system chat episode. Welcome yeah, to yeah. Beep Beep Lettuce, everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't Hello. want I don't want Google's Wear OS on my fucking wrist. I want a full ass Android device 
that is also a watch. Is that too much to fucking ask? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like it should be considering like how much more powerful chips and stuff are getting. Like yeah. if they can, considering the steam deck is like a full ass Linux laptop in the side in like not Nintendo switch size, but it's a lot smaller than your average, like thick laptop. And that yeah. can run a whole operating system. And you'd think you could get Android on a, on a wrist. I remember when I was growing up, I thought like portable camping TVs were futuristic. I was like, this plus a Game Boy, you're set for life, bro. You just need a mountain of batteries. <laughs> and now it's like they, they keep competing to make like the most niche new item. And I'm like, why don't you just come up with a thing that does it all? Like what? The phone is the thing. So like just put the phone other places it yeah. doesn't need to be a smart fridge or a smart watch or a smart picture frame just a phone a crappy ass tablet or phone that's mm-hmm. all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe just the size is like getting it wrist sized is uh is a bigger leap than we thought it ends up more crappy and like unusable <laughs> <laughs> this thing can't even run fucking doom <laughs> <laughs> people run doom on everything i feel like the most interesting one was like a pregnancy test like a little screen on a pregnancy (laughs) test someone ran doom in i saw that and it was like i think the screen on that thing was literally like like four by 20 pixels or something Uh it was hilariously small like the downscaling graphic rest and it was all one color obviously sure yeah but you know, Doom Doom's design is so universal that like with one color, you can be like, oh, I recognize that. <laughs> that's a little demon. That's a guy shooting it. Hell yeah. I mean, Doom is one of those games that has like a, a massive following. I was also going to say massive following about like getting really into wearable technology. Those people mm-hmm. have like real brainworm disease, really hardcore. <laughs> Uh, I feel like the kind of guy, I feel like that's a soft cult. We're going to talk about some, some heavier cult stuff on this episode, but let's start with a soft cult. People who are really into their Fitbits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a soft cult. I'm sorry. You're 60% of the way there. You just need a formal organization like, like CrossFit. That's a regular cult. They mm-hmm. made the leap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, wearing a Fitbit is just like your you're you're trying to like give yourself up to some kind of like big data savior that will like analyze the data of your body and then come back and tell you if you're living correctly and living healthily or not yeah well it's it's like a tiny roko's basilisk on your on your wrist Mm. like all those (laughs) fucking tech freaks who are so rick and morty brain that they walk around constantly worrying that if they don't do enough to appease the future machine god it will decide you know they have to die or whatever (laughs) and it's like you know I don't know, man, maybe you don't build the machine God, but then also, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's, it's really weird that like, we, we just want to like datafy everything about ourselves and we're told the data is for us. That's the funniest thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's so obviously for advertisers because they have a use for it. And I don't, I don't need to know that I'm really interested in, uh, you know, poker tutorials, Mm -hmm. advertisers who want to sell those do. I already fucking know that. Because I am constantly looking up free ones. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, man, maybe if we can crack this guy, he'll spend five bucks. And you're like, no, not happening. There's enough free ones out there that I can just put that money into poker chips instead. Yeah, exactly. If I'm going to play, I'm already throwing money down the fucking drain. You think I'm going to give it to a poker player who's not good enough to make his money at the table? I've said this many times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, as long as we're moving on to harder calls, I mean, before we even get into the notes, uh, I was watching this thing from a YouTube account called Reckless Ben. Okay. I guess he's like a pro slackliner, <laughs> whatever okay. that means. <laughs> and uh, he, he also has a YouTube channel where he does reckless things. He and his friend, who is a pro surfer, and they are both stuntmen. You know, they're like real California ass dudes. Sure, yeah. Um, they, they get together and they infiltrate this cult. And this is called the 12 Tribes. You may have heard of them. Because mm. I guess they run a series of restaurants around the world called the Yellow Deli. Okay, I haven't heard of this. And and they're in cities. Uh, they have a bunch of them in places around the world, places around the United States. And so they went to the Yellow Deli and they just like were overly friendly with the people who were working there. 
and they were like starting to explain it and they're like you want to come you want to come to the to the ranch or whatever the fuck it was called like they have like a sure, little yeah. retreat and they went there and they got fake conscripted and they had to like work in the fields and he's like he's he's also doing weird youtuber shit the entire time he's like wait for my future videos where i detail the child labor and the you know the the forced divorces and all of this stuff and i'm like well, that sounds really horrible, man. I don't know if you should be judge Judying it so hard. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I got up to the one where he gets his like fake girlfriend because he has this friend who's like willing to be part of it. And she shows up and she's Chinese and he's white. And they're like, well, you guys can't get married. Oh, no. <laughs> and then like on their way in, they got asked like straight up. Like the guy was like, hey, look, I'm sorry if this makes you uncomfortable or anything, but I have to ask Ben. And I think the other guy's name was Dave or something. He was like, are either of y'all Jewish? And I'm like, oh no, oh, holy shit. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know much about these guys. These weren't even on my radar, but uh, I, we had talked about like increased membership and, and people who are, you know, have gone through a shitty time with COVID, all of the crazy shit that's happening over the last few years, being mm-hmm. more attracted to cults. And I've just been like, trying to get in touch so I can keep a tab on how many are kind of running. What are the influential ones? Uh, not that I want to like be part of the scene or anything, just <laughs> a concerned observer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're decidedly not a juggalo for the cults. You're just like seeing no. what the juggalos are up to. No, I'm, I'm decidedly anti cult, but I mean like, don't tell them that. Cause I do want to be able to get close once in a while and find out what's going on. But it's also weird to me that you would just make a YouTube channel and be like, I fake joined a call and like I'm looking at the playlist because he's divvied up. It could be one hour long video, but it's like 10 videos for monetization. And some of the later ones are like the cult threatens to kill my girlfriend. The cult killed my girlfriend. (laughs) That's one of them. Cult ruined my life. And then just like a weird face and the thumbnail. Every time I laugh, I give the cult $100. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is a... I haven't, I mean, I haven't even heard of this place. place. I'm looking at their website and it has a very like, uh, it, like a, if this place had one location, I would be like, oh, this is like a health food, uh, deli started in like 1994 mm-hmm. and they haven't updated the website since then. But it's weird that it was started, that it like has a bunch of locations on their website still looks like this. Like the whole backdrop of it is a burlap sack and it kind of looks like papyrus or some similar kind of font that mm-hmm. it's written in and the little like, sunflower icons for the menu and about us and stuff. Yeah. It definitely looks cultish when you read it. Like it kind of reminds me of that. Uh, what is that? Like the, is, is it like the Mooney cult in uh, South Korea too? Oh yeah. There's like a, there's a chain called loving hut that I think is started by them and they play like weird culty videos in the, uh, inside the restaurants and like their website kind of has a similar vibe. Okay. Yeah. They're fucking weird. Uh, the unification church. Yeah. I mean like mm, their, oh yeah. their, their ties to the, um, former prime minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe are like what has kicked off this whole slate of investigations into Japanese officials and like Japanese citizens are like shocked to the core at yeah. the level of influence that the unification church, which is one, a cult and two, not even a Japanese organization mm. has had in their politics, which is wild. It's kind of like when you find out that the Ontario teachers pension fund is like one of the top five investment firms in the entire world mm, and is so wow. successful that they named the model they use the Canadian model. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. They own a crazy amount of stuff. Like if if you just follow parent companies all the way up to the investment firms that own them, a shocking amount of the world is operated directly by the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. A lot of pension fund. Wasn't that like involved in the uh the housing crisis like subprime mortgage credit default swap whatever mm-hmm. nonsense is that a lot of like like at at the top level of investing is like pension funds for like universities and huge companies and stuff. Cause they just like have a pile of money that has to grow slowly for like decades. So they're like, let's invest it in something that's super safe. And then we're sold all these mortgages as a super safe investment. Yeah. Well, it's like previously pension funds would typically be like, they would hire somebody to administrate their funds and the person mm-hmm. would be like, well, these are pension funds, so we can't risk them. Yeah. So you pay me a really large amount of money and I will very, very safely invest your funds. So they grow by one, 2% a year sure. really securely. <clears throat> but then the Ontario teachers were like, well, we have so many fucking teachers and it's province wide. 
So we may as well just like run our own investment firm directly. So they Mm -hmm. elected a board and they run the firm and it, and they started making their own investments directly without a middleman. And it was so wildly successful. It turns out, it turns out finance bros are unnecessary, (laughs) even for finance, which is crazy. (laughs) You can just hire your own. Yeah. You can just be one. You can, it's like getting a real estate license. It's a fake thing that people who used to have a worse job do because it's (laughs) only half a scam and you can kind of make money at it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is, it's like you, the deeper you get into finance, you're like, wait, this whole thing is just middle men. So we cut those out, then we automatically are making more money, probably. I mean, as long as we're talking about cults, finance in general, I think is arguably like people are always like, oh, mainstream religions are just big cults. I'm like, Mm -hmm. nah, man, fucking money being worth things is a cult. That's the incredible part. Um, (laughs) No, but like going back to the to the um, Yellow Deli, like you see all their locations. It's like Argentina, Australia, Brazil, Brazil, Canada, 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 Japan, Spain, Spain, United Kingdom, and Mm -hmm. tons in the U.S., predictably but it's it's so crazy because cults always go to the same places yeah. always the same places south america and east asia never not why what is the draw <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah once you were describing it and i was like wait you have like you have the americas you have it looks like nothing in europe but this is kind of half of same map every time where mm-hmm. it's western europe north and south america and then like Japan and Australia and New Zealand or something. Well, I think it's, it's harder for, I think there's a new world, old world cult divide in many respects. I think the new world is willing to join an old world cult, Mm -hmm. but the old world is not willing to put up with new world bullshit. Like if something comes from the United States, it can catch on in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, whatever. Sure. Yeah. But it's, it, it ain't catching on in England. You know what I mean? Cause they see (laughs) that and they're like, fuck you, mate. We believe our own stupid bullshit. Fairies (laughs) or whatever, you know, (laughs) got me own cult was good enough for me. Pa good enough for his pa. That's all we need. (laughs) Been in the same cult since a lad. <laughs> Never not simple. <laughs> <laughs> that cult's been there since 1604. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 fucking weird. Um and and you know, like I said, this wasn't even in the notes. This is just something that I was kind of casually ingesting as media before yeah. we started recording. That's um, very interesting. The cult that I want to talk about isn't actually being presented as a cult. It's being presented as a promo for a new Netflix series. Okay. So this is the story of the world's richest dog involves a shocking number of sex parties. (laughs) And I read that and I said, uh, that's cult. So yeah, there's this dog, his name is Gunther. And the story goes that, uh, this, this, uh, person, uh, Maurizio Mian, whose mother was renowned and became rich for her role at the head of a pharmaceutical company that developed a breakthrough treatment for osteoporosis. And he has this dog. Gunther. Mm-hmm. And as he tells the story, his mother's close friend, German Countess Carlotta Liebenstein, passed okay. away and with no heirs, left her fortune to her dog, Gunther. And Mian, with his own mom and failing health, decided to step in as the human by the canine side. So he took ownership of this millionaire dog. <laughs> and then the article goes on to detail that, like, he has an entourage of people when they didn't make a big enough splash with recording an album for the dog entitled wild dog, which <laughs> for, of course for the dog, why would yeah, the dog well, want an album? No, like the dog recorded the album. Oh, like, he it's supposed it. to be Gunther's album. Oh, wild interesting. Dog. I see. I mean, if Paris Hilton can do it, why not? Why not yeah. a dog? <laughs> and then that didn't work. Like nobody liked it. It was bad. I haven't uh-huh. listened to it yet, but I will check it out later. Um, and then that didn't make a big enough splash. So he relocated his, his four-legged boss, the article calls good okay. to Miami, purchased Madonna's old house for seven and a half million dollars and founded the Burgundians, an entertainment group that sang and danced on behalf of the dog, mm. Gunther. So we're, we're moving towards like a Millie Vanilli situation <laughs> where it's like, look, the dog will lip sync her. Like the dog is connected to the music emotionally but someone else mm-hmm. is actually singing it yeah it's like trying to figure out who's actually singing on a technotronic song it ain't the lady in the video <laughs> never is yeah. um wait I'm, I'm okay i'm just reading a little bit ahead here and it says that uh his st- scheme was ostensibly motivated by his desire to honor the wishes of the late countess who'd wanted to discover a way to prevent the depression that had doomed her son yeah so, meaning this is supposed to a singing a 
a dog music group is supposed to like cure depression? <laughs> I don't know. Cause yeah, like the whole reason that like he, he so nobly stepped in to take care of a multi-million dollar domesticated animal um, is mm-hmm. because he was friends with the countess's late son who developed depression and supposedly killed himself in his mid twenties. Sure. But the, the, the article strongly suggests that almost all of this is bullshit. Like the countess <laughs> isn't even real. Mm, the okay. friend was never real. Um, the dog might not even have that much money. Who fucking knows? <laughs> uh, because oh, it's, interesting. It's like a, the perfect, like foundation of like a great story that no one can dispute because he's a dog. Yeah. And then you can kind of like create, create celebrity out of thin air. I, it seems to me like, cause the article mentions he's trying to avoid Italian tax laws through Liechtenstein loopholes. So he's doing okay. some funky European tax shit that I sincerely don't even begin to understand, <laughs> but it does seem like his plan was cause his family's relatively wealthy. I'm not wealthy. I'm in, I'm the steward of an extremely wealthy dog. That was previously owned by the late countess, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that worked for a while and got him a bu- and got him very laid in a bunch of houses. <laughs> hmm, okay. Yeah. I mean, wasn't there, there's was like a woman who pretended to be, there was like a, like a scam lady last year or was that two years ago or something? Right. Who would just like, if you pretend to be rich, it's like paradoxically, the more you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm a rich person. The more stuff you'll get for free. And like, mm-hmm. it's actually the perfect place to be if you don't have much money, because then you can just like rent, like get a, get a line of credit for free or like rent, stay in someone's expensive apartment for free because they <laughs> assume they can trust you. Showing up places with a bowl cut in pleated khakis and just getting the <laughs> royal treatment. They're like, oh, Mr. Gates, sir, we didn't know you'd be arriving at the <laughs> Holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> Please let us get the executive suite ready for you. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this, this ties in perfectly to what you were saying earlier about how, uh, the idea that money is worth something is, mm-hmm. is a cult because it's like the very idea, like the, the idea that a dog can have any money is like, what are we talking about here? Yes. If, if money like is even close to ostensibly what it's claimed to be, if it's actually just like a unit of facilitating barter or exchange or whatever mm-hmm. dogs don't barter they beg for food and they steal food or that's it they're dogs they have no exchange they don't they don't understand currency so the fact that like a dog can just have money is like it's pure it's pure idealism it's like yeah. it's just based on nothing so i think the way that it was handled and you know theoretically ostensibly the countess did all of this but i'm sure if we sure. watch the netflix series that'll turn out to be absolute bullshit um is that there was like a trust established for gunther which contained the money and then it came with instructions for the handler that that they had to follow meticulously to continue to have access to the money but mm-hmm. it's like it's just taking care of a dog if my job was to meticulously take care of a dog and my reward was access to his untold fortune. I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's Simple. like a job. A lo- that's a job. A lot of people do for like, you know, very average to low amounts of money, you know, it's like Less dog- than minimum wage under the table. A lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like dog walking as a job. And I know people who've done it a long time ago and like watch dogs for famous people like Stanley Tucci. So it's like Ooh. R- rich people will pay a normal amount of money to have their dog taken care of. And, you know, I'm sure you get in a lot of trouble if anything happens to the dog. So it's like, he's basically got the cushiest dog walker, dog sitting job in the world. It sounds like world's wealthiest dog walker. I always thought Stanley Tucci's name sounded kind of, um, kind of, kind of sexual. I don't know. It's just risque. It has a risque (laughs) ring to it. Tucci. Tucci. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) On the Sopranos. It's like, Tony's like, let's just say we, uh, got down to a little Tucci. It's yeah. like, oh, tone, incredible. Yeah. She's such a, such a, such, such a sexy broad and you Tucci'd her. <laughs> Christ, Maron, cover your Tucci. We're in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I feel like especially following Stanley, it's like Stanley is an aggressively, uh, yeah. like nerdy, not hunky name. So that it's like Stanley Tucci. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of like Bob sex danger or something. I feel like if you're a Stanley and you go by Stanley, like you don't go by Stan. Stan is a whole different ball game. But if yeah. you're Stanley and you go by Stanley, you are either a, a pocket protector ass guy or you're like a bronze god. 
Like <laughs> there's no, there's no in between. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Stanley Tucci like threads the needle where he's, uh, he should kind of be a pocket protector guy cause he's bald and wears glasses, but mm-hmm. he just like stays tan enough and dresses Italian enough. Like if Stanley Tucci was like German instead of Italian, he would just look like a pocket protector guy. <laughs> he is like the synthesis of those things. He's like both and neither at the same time. I'm looking at photos of him right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's like, he's, he's, he looks like a nerd. Like you would not be like, wow, this guy is uh super cool. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But also he's like, he's got some style going on and he, he, he wears the like Italian, like blue blazer and like tucks in his shirt and he has cool glasses. So you're like, yeah. maybe he's kind of cool. He looks like he knows who designed his clothes. That's a certain, that's a type of person. Mm-hmm. And they come, there's a bunch of different versions of that person, but I, I can spot him Cause I am, mm-hmm. I'm not that <laughs> you ever see somebody who's wearing something that looks so plain, like Stanley Tucci is wearing these kind of things. I'm like, those suits look tailored. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I just know that they don't look store-bought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you say knows who made his clothes, do you mean like knows the name of the designer or just knows them personally? Oh, uh, probably knows the name of the designer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am... D- also, maybe I'm like shooting from the hip a little much here because I am such an unfancy person. I literally could not tell you who made the shitty ass pants that I'm wearing right now. If they <laughs> came from a Target or a secondhand store, not a fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can get fine pants from a Target, I think. I feel like the lowest common denominator. Like, well, you, you can go much lower than Target. You can go sort of like those off brand stores that don't even like, even the store name is not a brand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's real bad. Target is like, it's fine. I get great results at Target. And if you wait for the deals, if you buy stuff that's like overstocked, they have these great like uh they're, they're like jeans, but they're they're slightly different style denim than jeans. They're a mm-hmm. little bit more like a khaki, but not sure, yeah. you know, just 20% more like a khaki than jeans. And they come in a bunch of fun colors. And I got orange ones and purple ones and Hell green yeah. ones and they're fucking awesome. Yeah, I love some Target pants. And then I don't want to knock the Costco pants either. Yeah, you know, I gotta tell you, those Kirkland pants, you could do a mm-hmm. lot worse than some Kirkland pants. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could, yeah. I've only ever had Kirkland socks, but uh, brands like that are funny too because it's like they're always, I feel like Kirkland, stuff like Kirkland pants is always on the cusp of becoming some kind of like super precision, like ironic style where mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like every 22 year old is wearing like Kirkland pants rolled up over converts and then some specific (laughs) brand of like t-shirt and then like a chain and a hat. And then suddenly that's like how everyone dresses at DIY shows. And then someone sees your Kirkland pants and they're like, Oh, Hey, cool. And you're like, Oh, these are cool. I thought I bought them because they were specifically not cool. Yeah. I got these from my dad. Well, that's like the thing. (laughs) I feel like it's already like Kirkland pants and like a nice pair of uh, bright white shoes. That's like hot couture for neighborhood dads who get together and grill sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess there's like a cyclical nature too, where it's like stuff that is, uh, that was sort of worn or, was cool in the nineties or two thousand starts coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like you, you definitely see that kind of stuff with Carhartt where it's like, Oh yeah. Originally it was just being worn by people who were like worked on farms or like worked on cars or whatever, just mm-hmm. like rugged functional clothing. And people were like, Ooh, I love how rugged and functional it is. What if I wore it just to go to a bar and yeah. look cool? That'd be fun. <laughs> what if I made a statement with it? What if I, what if I treated my clothing the same way that uh, dudes treat their gigantic pickup trucks <laughs> totally off road, but they really just go to the store and back and church and back and school and, you know, to drop the kids <laughs> off and back. And it's like, yeah. do you really have to flex on all of the other parents that, you know, pick up and drop off time at your child's middle school. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about that today. Cause I was walking by a, uh, like H two Hummer parked on the street. And it's like, how would you possibly make use of a Hummer in living New in, York? in Brooklyn? Yeah. You just have to take up a ton of space. And I also saw a pickup truck and was thinking about like all those Twitter posts that are like current day Ford F one fifties are just like, they're minivans with uh like the trunk is outside of the car basically because they have like a back seat the the cab is huge and then the bed is not actually that big they don't really function as pickup trucks they just look cool yeah. to people who are into those kind of cars i mean you don't even need all that like we grew up in you know west michigan and my mom bought a used station wagon Mm-hmm. for $600 nice. and we camped in that thing. We didn't even need a tent. We would, we, we you could ex- expand a queen size air mattress in wow. the back seat. If you folded down all the, the seats, mm-hmm. you could sleep like three or four people back there. Five. If a bunch of them are little kids, you know, yeah, yeah. like shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was fucking wild. I, 
I'm presuming you're a family. Don't lure kids into your station wagon. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, context is important on that one. Context is important on that one. Well, as long as we're talking about context and um, uh, weird shit involving kids, let's talk about homeschooling. Oh, There's yeah. a homeschooling problem, everybody. Uh, and this one's not standardized test scores. This one's not uh, integrating kids into job situations once they're into the real world. No, this is the fact that apparently there's a uh, cult-like following of neo-Nazi homeschoolers who have been receiving signal updates from a Dutch woman. God fucking damn it. (laughs) The Dutch once again. (laughs) Fucking some of the worst people around and yet they skate by. Like they had the fucking Dutch East India Company and yet no one, no one talks about it. I mean, people do, but it's like, I feel like the average Dutch person, like people, people see, people see German and like Germany as still associated with Nazism, even though it had like mm-hmm. has been tamped down for a while. But the Dutch, like the Dutch, just skate right by. Well, it's like they have in Germany, they have laws against it, right? Yeah, because like they have to, like they, you know, it, sure, it, yeah, it seems perfectly understandable that they would have rules that are like, yeah, you can't fucking see hail in public, buddy. You're you going be to a jail. Nazi. Yeah. yeah. The Netherlands doesn't have that shit. Mm-hmm. The Netherlands has always been like the weird libertarian cousin, which is like not a great attitude to have. Anyway, yeah. so there's there's this uh, Dutch woman and who has been going by the name, her and her husband, of Mr. and Mrs. Saxon. And they have been publishing okay. lesson plans. They published one for Martin Luther King Jr. Day that the Vice article that I'm reading from details. It is so horrid that even if I don't say the direct slurs, I just don't feel comfortable repeating any of this stuff. If you want to read it, go look it up for yourself. It's God awful. And yeah, it's this peppered is, uh, with terrible slurs. I hate that. I'm just reading like, yeah, even reading the parts that don't have slurs. It's like, I don't know. I thought, I thought Nazis, I, there's, there's like always different levels where there's like mm-hmm. a lot of Nazis that are like, maybe like a step above Richard Spencer in terms of presentability where they have a lot of like, plausible deniability and like vagueness and like certain things they want to talk about like free speech or whatever but this one is just like uh yeah we're currently under an anti-white regime thanks to martin luther king and we have to free ourselves from it like this is just what you find when you like follow the trail of like okay Mm -hmm. well who's richard spencer connected to and then who's this guy connected to and then what website and then you end up at stormfront and it just is like blatant specific nazi talking points like it doesn't even feel right to call it neo-nazi because it's like just the same talking points and ideology. I mean, when you're sending a, a homeschooling update to your 2100, uh, you know, signal followers and your opening salvo is add as Adolf Hitler wrote, <laughs> you are no longer a neo-Nazi. You're just a fucking Nazi. And my fucking granddad would shoot you and he'd be fucking right too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. America, one of the most fascist countries to ever exist. Even most of the citizens of America would be like as Adolf Hitler wrote. You're not yeah. supposed to do that. Yeah, at, <laughs> at, at, yeah, exactly. Even, Even that guy, I forget his name. That streamer who was like a chat. He was like his chat was. Uh, I don't know. Having him look up fascism, and he's like, "What? What is? What is? What is fascism? I don't know what the fuck this is." Mussolini. I've never heard of this guy. This guy is like different authors who'd written about fascism. And then he landed on Hitler and he was like, "Yo, what the fuck, Chad? This is why I don't trust you. You me looking up this shit. This it's about fucking Hitler." Even that guy who was so brain dead that he like could not pronounce fascism or ultra nationalism. He did not know who Mussolini was. He still knows Hitler is bad. Yeah. He still, he got the memo on <laughs> yeah. that one. It was, it someone was a, told him it was a planet wide memo. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so these people were eventually revealed to actually be Logan and Katia Lawrence, who live in Upper Sandusky, Ohio, with their four young children. Oh, okay. And the researchers who busted them were able to identify them partly through biographical details that they shared in... Oh, I kept calling it Signal. It's Telegram. I'm sorry. Telegram oh, yeah. channel. Same difference, right? It's, yeah, same fucking difference. So the Telegram channel's group chat and on podcast appearances, why would you take your secret neo-Nazi ring onto podcast? why but one of the key clues that these uh, researchers were able to identify them based on is that they owned a german shepherd named blondie the same name as hitler's dog so that's not a great way to cover your tracks guys (laughs) (laughs) maybe they figured a lot of people had a german shepherd with the same name as hitler's dog i don't know Mm -hmm. who fucking knows i mean blondie is like a cute name for a dog but like 
it's off limits guys like well <laughs> not to them i you know whatever it's like but i can understand how like you know i didn't know that yeah. i didn't know that offhand when i read that in the article i was like well that's an interesting fact that i don't care about but like you know shit like if that's something you need to know to spot these guys yeah uh, so the podcast that they went on was called octung americaner which is why is it always in German? Yeah. Um, and she launched a, a channel, this telegram channel in October of 2021, because she was quote, having a rough time finding Nazi approved school material for her homeschooled children. And they later in the same episode, she also said, quote, we have our children's best interest at heart and nobody can do a better job than we can because it's our child. We are so deeply invested into making sure that that child becomes a wonderful Nazi. End quote. Yeah, this one is uh, this one is crazy because it's like you you know you you know that there's a lot of like people in especially like suburban America with pretty racist views. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, it's a very racist country. Some people really take that to heart and don't unlearn any of it. But uh, to go down the rabbit hole where you're like, I have to make sure my child grows up to be a Nazi specifically is like. There's just so many kids just growing up in like we- some weird version of a uh, of a cult, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. like religious homeschool kids or, you know, there's like varying degrees. Like there's kids who are Mormon and it's like, yep, not that culty, but like a little bit. There's like regular old Catholicism and Christianity, which well, is like Mormons kind interest- of it, Mormons interesting because it's making the leap into mainstream religion. And that's troubling as hell. But mm-hmm. yeah, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, the arguably like the larger religions like Catholicism and stuff. It's like there's elements that are called like, it's just like, they're so integrated into mainstream society that like, you're not really, there's just like, it's, the barrier is more permeable between inside and outside world. It's kind of like how, um, you know, back during Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels time, science meant mm-hmm. a lot more different things than it does now than like our very narrow like mm-hmm. Marxists talk about this a lot when we talk about what is scientific socialism it's like the meaning of what science is has changed and become narrower mm-hmm. and that's neither good or bad but like we we just need to navigate around that little you know lexical issue and it's the same thing with this it's like okay look during biblical ass times if you asked me what's the difference between a cult and a religion I don't know that I would really be able to provide an answer at all. Yeah. Like they're the same fucking thing. Yeah. But over time, like they really have diverged. Like what's what's the most recent religion that's like really a religion, Mormonism not included, like Baha'iism, I think. Yeah, I don't even really Something know. Something like that. Um yeah, and like a lot of the older religions are closed off. They don't even accept new members. Sure. Like a, a lot of the uh, the religions that are still present in like Syria and um, mm-hmm. the Druze, I don't remember their fucking name, but yeah, they're they're like a closed religion. There's a couple of other ones like I, I don't know. Like be, being Jewish is like soft closed. It's like I think they mm-hmm. do accept converts, but from what I understand, it's like kind of a complicated process, and it's like not really something. It's it's the opposite approach to. Christianity, where there's a lot of like missionary, like explicitly yes. conversion focused versions of it. Judaism is basically like, if you really want to, we won't make any effort to convince you, but you technically can convert. Yeah. But it's like not really, it's not really a big part of it. It's almost all people who were like born into it. Well, yeah, that was like a whole plot line on Orange is the New Black, right? Like, um, hmm. Oh, I forget her name, but one of one of the characters, uh, she, she I think she originally. Conv- tries to convert in order to get the kosher meals because oh, they are yeah. significantly higher quality than the regular prison food, but ends up becoming really invested in Judaism as a study and then mm-hmm. goes through with the full conversion process. And it looks like, like, have you ever seen one of those things where it's like, here's how hard it is to become a sommelier. It's way harder than you think. And then you watch <laughs> oh, it and yeah. you're like, wow, that was way harder than I thought it was. Like, <laughs> it was like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's like it's not like they want to discourage you necessarily, but uh yeah, it's it's like not really They just want to know you're serious. Like Yeah, they don't want to encourage you. They're like if yeah. you want to go for it, but uh we don't 
we don't we don't need you to join it's up to you if yeah. you want to i mean compared to all of the like crazy shit that i grew up with all of the like american strains of christianity where every single one of my friends was like you should come to our church man <laughs> our church is the best church we have all the most fun stuff we got the air yeah. hockey and the ping pong <laughs> table and we got we play uh beach volleyball in the summer and it's a it's fun and the youth pastor's nice his name is fred and it's like i don't think i want to go to you know um uh uh, uh, what glory of the crucified one Episcopalian church, Daniel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like air hockey, but they got that uh, other places. I can go to the movie theater for that one. I can play air hockey for 50 cents and not have to think about crucifixion. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I am through on this. And then, okay, so getting back to the article with the yeah. neo-Nazis and the homeschooling, a really troubling part of this is that like a big impetus of the Telegram channel is to encourage people who are using these lesson plans to go around and meet up with each other at so-called pool parties. Mm. And they talk at length about how like, these are like the building blocks of the community that we're trying to grow. And it's just so liberating for us to hang out with other white people they're very explicit about this mm -hmm. and our kids can speak freely that's the other thing is like they have to train these kids mm. that like when you're at the grocery store you can't just go around seek hiling and yeah imagine having a four-year-old i mean i don't want you to feel bad for this parent but like that is a lot for an adult and a child to be trying to do to to split their world between like I'm a secret Nazi and yeah. I'm just publicly like a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I feel like any kind of, when you're trying to teach a kid something, you also are like, like even with, I don't know, like very mundane stuff. Like I feel like I remember parents talking about this, that it's like when a kid is like four or five or something and it's like, Oh, he's a boy. So he has a penis or like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to wipe my butt or something. It's like, you're going to have to be like, look, you just shouldn't talk about that in public. And it's hard for me to explain why it's just like other adults don't want you to. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this is like a much more dark version of that where it's like, well, we're teaching you something that everyone else is wrong about. So you have to hide the truth from them because they can't handle it. And they'll get mad at you. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I think it's also interesting that this is located in Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a, there's a, companion piece to this in vice called meet the podcaster that uh who helped promote ohio's nazi homeschoolers and mm -hmm. it's like a full rundown on the guy i just found it um i haven't read it yet but the photos of him are hilarious why is every neo-nazi a uh ugly white dude with a shitty beard and a swoopy haircut every <laughs> time <laughs> yeah it looks like either he lost weight and got a swoopy haircut or he just so don't know how to take better angle shots and trim his beard and got a spoopy angle shot. Yeah. I feel like, well, cause like when I see the photo on the right of him, I mm -hmm. see him like at a Ren fair, but I yeah. realize this guy's a neo-Nazi. So like his whole life is a fake Ren fair in his mind. That's probably yeah. just him on his lawn. Yeah. Taking like a Tinder photo or something with he's like, check out my Nordic cross. It means I'm racist. Like, <laughs> check out my, does he have a loot or something? I can't tell what is like off screen next to him. I thought that was just like a box or something. It does look know. like it might be a loot. <laughs> it kind of does, right? It's like has little strings and has like a big box, but it's not really a guitar or a ukulele. Like, I don't know. What a stupid little dick weasel. It's like, it's so funny that these guys grow up and then their whole personality is like, I'm really into everything that a 16 year old white boy from the Midwest thinks is cool. And also I'm super racist. Like, okay, that's the other thing that's interesting. Okay. So all of these people are from Ohio mm -hmm. that we're talking about here. The, the couple and the podcaster. Yeah. And people think racism is like a Southern thing in the United States. You always mm. hear about how like, yeah, oh, yeah. people in Texas or like people in Missouri or Alabama is so racist. And I'm like, bro, the guy that I know, Arno Michaelis, who's like a former leader of the Northern Hammerskins and like a, a, a reformed neo-Nazi who now does like anti-hate talks and stuff. He's from Milwaukee. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of northern fucking racism. There's a lot of, and, and they're better organized and they're quieter and they know how to keep a lid on it better because, yeah, these are the northern states. That kind of stuff, like, isn't quite as much on everybody's mind. But these people are way more fucking dangerous. Like, is, is it any wonder all of the craziest militias come from the Pacific Northwest? It's like, mm -hmm. you got to stop just thinking about the South. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like people forget that there's, you know, a long history in basically every Midwestern 
city of, uh, mm-hmm. of segregation. And it's like, that's not just an accident. And it's not even just a like, you know, it's like mostly a dictate and controlled by the ruling class, but it's like, there's definitely a lot of like grassroots activism and like movement that goes towards white people wanting their neighborhood to stay white, wanting their school district to say, mm-hmm. stay white. You know, it's like there's varying levels to it. And only the, I think only the most extreme people reach the point of like, we need to have a secret pool party for only white kids. But there's just a lot of people who like have a, have an unconscious uncomfortability with other races and don't want to admit it, but also allow it to dictate how they think about organizing society. And it like trickles into well, we should move to this neighborhood. You shouldn't go to this part of town because black people are there. That's mm-hmm. like usually what people mean when they say there's a bad part of town is it's like the place where we put all the poor black people and then we don't want to show up there. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what, and all of that stuff is coded, like all of the, growing up in the Midwest, it's like everybody talks about how fucking dangerous Chicago is, and the implication is always that, like, Chicago has a lot more black people in it than other Mm -hmm. parts of the Midwest. And, like, if you look up maps of sundown towns, for instance, uh, they're much more concentrated in the upper central mid well the upper eastern midwest i suppose mm-hmm. in places like indiana indiana is like the godfather of sundown towns people don't think of indiana when they think of racism but they fucking should mike yeah. pence was the vice president for long enough for us all to have realized indiana is a racism factory <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like there were definitely existed in uh in michigan i remember when i was mm-hmm. like a teenager i think my uh the lady who cut my hair growing up was was white but had had like a half black kid and said at some point he was like i don't know in dexter or something like somewhere Mm -hmm. in michigan and was basically like asked to leave town for being black what the fuck i mean like it kept happening that kind of stuff is like persistent people are like oh that never happened in like living memory like when when i was a kid we there's a local sports bar in sagatuck called spectators Mm -hmm. and um really great name right super (laughs) spectators Uh, yeah spectators Uh and my my dad calls it specs but i call it taters uh it's a horrible place (laughs) i don't go there but um the uh i we had a Ecuadorian family that moved up to the United States to Michigan. And, um, you know, the kid Santi was going to school with us. I used to go over to his house all the time. His mom was really nice. And, uh, they got asked to leave spectators. The manager like, came over and was home. like, and, and the quote that I heard, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but was, uh, we don't, um, we don't serve your kind here. Jesus. And I was like, holy fucking shit. You know, this was in like the late 90s. This yeah. was this was like Y2K era. This was like when Poptimism was on the radio and everybody was like, you can say the N-word if you're rapping along. It's okay. Like that, <laughs> you know, these were the real conditions. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you consider like the fact that we live in a country. Like, I, I think people sort of forget there's like a lot of average people who are, you know, either not racist or are like most Americans I think are like racist, but working on it or racist, but like <laughs> trying to be less racist, but we racist, also are, but I really like that Jay Dilla song working on it, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, we're also, we're just a country of like a, a tens of millions of like petty tyrants. There's mm-hmm. like petite bourgeois, small business owners, there's cops and sheriffs and like whatever. And it's like, they all pass the racism down to each other. I feel yeah. like, or they kind of acquire it once they're like, I don't know. It's like, I, I I bet that guy was like, like whoever told them that, you know, if it was the owner or like someone who knew the owner was like, look, once you own a business, you understand what it's like. Certain kinds of people you can't have in there. I, I, I feel like people often, they often forget that racism. It's like the way it's portrayed, especially in sort of more like cartoony uh, contexts or like illustrations or whatever is just mm-hmm. like this bubbling hatred, like this pure animus that it's like, you fly into a rage when you see someone and you're just like, I hate your race. So I hate you. But I feel like it's much more often a sort of like condescending paternalism or like a smug assumption that you know more than other people do Mm -hmm. that you just like your experience has told you that this racist belief is true. Yeah. It's just like on aggregate, 
I know how these things go. Look, I, I'm not racist, but I just have common sense about these things. I mean, like that was what I heard from my managers all the time when I was working for a parking company in downtown slash uptown in Pittsburgh, which, you know, as you go into uptown has a predominantly black population and a very, very low income level. And mm-hmm. the company that I worked for was very, very racist about yeah. the way they handled it. They always made black employees man the lots that were further up into uptown. And Mm. I was always like, you know, man, like I don't have any trouble going up there. And they're like, look, it's dangerous. These guys know what they're doing. Some of them have been in prison, like using their own exploitative hiring practices to cover up for the, it it was, it was a, I had no way to fucking unpack it, but it was like, yeah, these things are considered like matters of course. And then we Mm -hmm. wonder why, like the police in this country are so racist. We're like, how did they get so racist? That just seems wrong. Despite the fact that it's widely understood that as a white person, if you don't feel like being the racist interloper, you can just call some. Mm -hmm. And it's like, (laughs) they'll show up and never the twain shall meet. Like the cops aren't racist, but they'll show up and do racism for me. And Mm -hmm. those, those are compatible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I guess what we're saying is like, this is the, the, the neo-Nazis are like the deepest part of the iceberg, but they're very connected to all the other parts all the way up to like the top level of the iceberg that's above the water. Well, I would be interested to find out who the other members of the Telegram channel are and how many of them are engaged in are in are employed as law enforcement officers. Honestly, mm-hmm. I bet it's a fucking lot of them. Yeah, it's really um, interesting that they have to use like those. Like, I feel they're sort of like like wasn't Telegram the last outpost that Milo Yiannopoulos ended up on after getting banned so. from everything else? It's like you can publish a podcast and you can have a Telegram channel because it's basically like a chat room mm-hmm. and like everything else I think is like has enough enforcement of like anti-racism rules and moderation and stuff that your channel will get shut down. Yeah. Even the, even the bird app operated by the South African Emerald mine air (laughs) still won't let you on no matter how (laughs) fucking Rhodesian you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. the, The funniest thing, I wonder if this still happens on Twitter is like there's if you there's like certain posts if you access them from germany it's like german law prohibits showing this post so there's mm-hmm. stuff that's like fascist enough that is like against the law in germany but other countries like the us it's allowed that's a really interesting sensor uh, also like it, it's it's so funny too that like we all recognize that that's reasonable and then everyone's like i can't believe china put up a firewall to keep out the entire west it's like man <laughs> It's hard for me to say that's a bad idea. Like, <laughs> <laughs> would you want the West up in your shit? Have you seen the West lately? Yeah. And they're like, do you know how bad it is the way China curates their internet? And I'm like, do you know how bad it is the way the entire rest of the world doesn't? The garbage that I see day to day? I would rather see some shitty promo posts for a new public initiative or whatever than sure. get marketed like the new Huel flavor, chicken bacon ranch. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, well, um, we've, we covered a lot of ground with the cult stuff. Uh, let's, let's, um, as long as we're talking about fascists, let's catch up with Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro has applied for a six month U S tourist visa. Oh boy. There have been a lot of uh, conversations (laughs) about his visa status. It's been up in the air for a while, but this does seem to confirm that he seems to be seeking, about six months of asylum. <laughs> What's the deal with this? I don't know. Maybe that's how long he has to live. And he's like, I'll just stay for six months and then evaluate from there. Maybe I can just move into hospice at that point and they won't really care. It's probably just like enough time for him to reach out to other sympathetic countries. Like he could probably mm. move to India, you know, or sure. whatever, yeah. another relatively fascist country. He could probably move to one of the u.s client states i don't know if he could get away with like south korea but he could probably find somewhere pretty nice you know Mm -hmm. like japan maybe i feel like japan possibly i don't know i bet japan would take i don't know japan has a lot of world war ii baggage i don't know well well there's a lot of stuff happening in japan right now and i don't know if (laughs) bolsonaro would be welcome that's the crazy thing right because like he's in florida yeah and florida is the perfect place for him 
yeah he really should stay so there ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, he fits in perfectly like nobody it, will gl- take a second glance at him when he's chowing down on chicken in a Publix or whatever yeah because if I were him I would be spending like one hour applying for like you know refuge in in countries friendly to my ideology for every eight hours that I would be spending trying to figure out a way to never leave Key Largo or wherever the fuck <laughs> he is Miami I don't know like <laughs> yeah I don't know just find some old like child this like or like you know empty nest couple and be like will you guys adopt me can i be your 57 year old son or however old he is yeah <laughs> right they're they're like typing on the computer and she's like harold spell check this for me and he's like oh let me get my readers okay dear sons and daughters of the Cuthbarn family we <laughs> are proud to announce that at the ages of 80 and 85 respectively we have adopted a beaming baby boy the former president of brazil <laughs> jair bolsonaro and we expect you to treat him with the deference you would any other brother or sister (laughs) (laughs) like what's he do like what's he gonna do like is he gonna show up at parties is he gonna be at like the miami ball dropping on new year's or i don't know what they do down there i'm from michigan so like (laughs) (laughs) but like yeah like is he gonna just show up on fox news i am so perplexed and like i'm also a little peeved that like i'm so interested in what bolsonaro is gonna do because there's a ton of shit Lula is doing and I'm just not even keeping up on it right now because mm-hmm. he doesn't need my help. He knows what yeah. he's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's like if you're applying to be a tourist too, it's like, I, I don't know if, how different it is when you get a visa, but I know just like <laughs> when you cross the border into Canada, they're like, why are you coming to Canada? What are you planning to do? So is Florida or the U S government have to be like, so what do you plan on doing for six months? Like what sites do you want to see? Where do you plan on visiting? <laughs> Why are you in Florida specifically? Yeah. And he has to just be like, I want to go see all the monuments to racism, I guess. Yeah. All of the uh, expats from other South American countries who came here to be fascists more. And I love key lime pie. <laughs> just love it. Can't get yeah. enough of this stuff. <laughs> but also apple pie. <laughs> that, that makes me wonder too, like uh, if I ever go to Canada, like if they just ask me on the way and they're like business or pleasure, eh? and I'll just be like, I'm just here to see one of the kids in the hall in a public place. Like, that's all <laughs> I want. It doesn't even matter which one. However long that takes, I'm going yeah. to pull it off. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know where he is, by the way? If you could tell yeah. me, that could like save a lot of time on my trip. And <laughs> yeah, if you could just point me in the direction of any one of their houses, uh, that would be a really big help to me. <laughs> Huge and he's time just saver. like, oh, you know, sure. Dave Foley actually just lives down the street. And Mark <laughs> McKinney, he's just about two blocks up downtown. You know, <laughs> They all live in Niagara Falls, honestly. You came mm-hmm. to the right border crossing. Like <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I am actually going to make my way to the Canadian border right now in order to see one of the kids in the hall in public. So thank you so much for listening to Beep Beep. Thank you for listening to us go on about the distinction between a religion and a cult for a really long time. It was a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. Um, and yeah. it feels like a distinction that'll be more and more important if we have fucking neo-Nazi <laughs> homeschooling, like yeah. there's all kinds of cults we're going to have to untangle in America. We're going to have to, we're going to have to do some real Marxist analysis on this. So keep an eye out for the new beep beep lettuce newsletter on the Scientology question. <laughs> <laughs> Locked after 12,000 pages of heated debate. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out more of what we do, you can support us on Patreon and then you will get twice as many episodes every month. That is so true. Uh, you can check out my other show, Work Stoppage, which is about labor and unions. You can check out Bryn's other show, Generation Loss, which is about movies and TV. Todd's shop, Doomer.shop. And as always, we love you. Stay high. Goodbye. We'll see you on Discord. Goodbye. That's right. Oh,